Welcome to the Dog Training Audio Experience Podcast. If you are looking for easy, simple solutions to help improve your dog's behavior or improve your relationship in general with your dog, then this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Erica Gonzalez. I'm a certified dog trainer and behavior consultant and the owner of From Dusk Till Dog. If you want to support this podcast or our other content in general, please feel free to check out our Patreon support page at patreon.com slash from dusk till dog. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is going to be all about management. We are going to cover what management is in dog training, why it's important, and how you can do it. Here to discuss this topic with me is Jennifer Billet. She is a certified professional dog trainer, has a master's in canine science, and is the owner of Bone Ball Bark located in London. She is also dog mom to 10-month-old working line black Labrador retriever named Griffin, who's adorable. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Erica. I'm excited. Looking forward to it. Yes. And I love mentioning that you're probably using management with your growing puppy <laughs> in the moment. So it's I'm really glad to mention that so folks can hear that, hey, you're going through some of this yourself, as I do as a dog trainer as well. We're normal people too, aside yeah. from dog trainers. Um, I'm semi-abnormal most of the time. Anyway, I'm so happy to have you here. And you. a lot of a lot of talk around management from dog training world. So I want to kind of dive into this and let people know what it's all about, how they can do it, and how it's going to help their relationship with their dog, mm -hmm. setting up their dog for success, and so on. So, you know me, I like to jump right into it. Give us your <laughs> professional you know, kind of definition, if you will, of management when it comes to training and teaching our dogs, how would you define it? For me, I think management is setting up the environment that your dog is in, whether that's at home, outside, uh, wherever you might be, so that um, they will be as successful as possible in that environment. They don't have the opportunity to practice behaviors you don't want them to practice. Um, they can make good choices because there's nothing necessarily bad in the environment for them mm -hmm. to interact with or get into mischief with. Um, yeah, so it's all about, for me, the environment and what you can do surrounding your dog that means that your frustration level and their frustration level stays nice and yes. even. <laughs> nice and low. As low as we yeah. can keep the frustration, it's a win. Yeah, For I sure. like saying the environment because, you know, I know a lot of us dog trainers say this, but we tend to say or hear, you know, behaviors in the environment. Mm -hmm. you know? And so just like with people, I feel like, hey, if the environment's set up in a certain way, my anxiety might go up, my stress right. might go up, my excitement might go up, my joy might go up, you know, I might get sad depending on what the environment is or nervous, you know, so a lot of a lot of our feelings as people and where we can relate to dogs is, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, what's going on around us might impact, if not fully impact how we're feeling or how we're going to act in that moment. So environment's key. And I like to point out that I love dogs, obviously, and they're very smart, but we are smarter. We're, we're human beings and it's up to us and our responsibility as pet parents, as the ones deciding to bring dogs into our homes and animals. This goes for, you know, if you have cats or other animals in your home yep. as well, um, to implement strategies to help them not quote unquote mess up or do things we'd prefer not. Um, so, in your in your opinion, Jen, what what 
why is management important, right? Can't, because I feel like some people might say, hey, can't we just focus on training the dog, right? And I even had a comment on one of my management posts and a very justifiable question about, well, why are we doing all this management? Shouldn't we be training our dogs to do what we ask and kind of behave, quote unquote, in these environments and so on? And I wanted to touch base on that as, you know, as we do this professionally, what do you recommend management first? And where does it play a role in terms of like training versus management in, in your view? I'm a big advocate for management with any dog of any age, but um, I was just having this conversation with a client yesterday. Sometimes with our dogs, we have this long list of things that we we are wanting to work on with them, especially puppies. It's toilet training, sleep training, leash work. You know, the list, list goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. If you can implement management for 50% of those things, then a lot of times they just don't get to practice and reinforce those behaviors. So you end up not having even to train anything to do with it because they haven't been able to chew the furniture or chew your shoes or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, bark out the window. You know, there's plenty of things that they can get oh, up yeah. to, right? And so I think management can just be really, really helpful, not only for our dogs in terms of, you know, making sure they're set up to succeed but also I think this is real life and you know I'm a trainer but I'm also a human who gets frustrated mm-hmm. or like you've had a long day mm-hmm. and uh sometimes it's like management is is much easier it can it's quicker in terms of fixing things like yeah mm-hmm. you don't want your dog to a real life example my uh, dog loves to sleep in the bathroom we live in an apartment he loves the bathroom however he also loves toilet paper <laughs> because ah, he's a young dog yeah so you know, I could spend a ton of time on training him to not play with the toilet paper. However, it's easier for us if the toilet paper is just kept in a cupboard. Right. <laughs> you know, I have another list. I have other things I want to work on with him, like separation and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think management, if you can set set up a lot of management um, first, I think it takes out the stress of dog training because you can focus on your top three things with your dog and okay further down the line um I mean there are plenty of examples where you want to implement management and definitely also training as well we're talking about leash reactivity or um separation or anything like that but big ones yeah the big ones for sure but um I think just in sort of day-to-day life um I'm a huge advocate for management and um some people get quite taken aback when they say like oh my puppy chews my shoes what can I do about that and I'm like put your shoe away away. (laughs) yeah you can tell they're like oh that's it yeah (laughs) and I'm like yeah I mean yeah I I love that because like I think you what you were saying was like you're picking your battles with Griffin in that moment yeah we have so many things to deal with whether it's a puppy or even an adult older dog that, that you're working with or just living human world with this dog around there has to be management with certain things. And I, I tell clients straight up, like I'm very blunt and I'm like, Hey, do you really want to like quit your job and spend 24 hours a day dealing with your dog? Not, you know, spending all these hours of time getting your dog to not chew on the toilet paper, or should we just like close the bathroom door, put it (laughs) in the cupboard, like live your life, watch an episode of something on Netflix you prefer (laughs) than spend time. Like I'm, I'm trying to be as basic as possible with time. You know, I feel like time's a commodity for all of us. And I certainly pick my battles with my dogs and I'm like, eh, 
whatever, just do this other thing so don't have to deal with it. And that's okay. And I think yeah. it's nice for us to say that and say, hey, it's totally normal and fine and okay. Because I want to ask you this, dude. I know I've had clients that feel almost kind of like, um, like they're taking an L, like they're, they're, they're having a loss or they're defeated or they're losing to the dog when they are relying on management, because it's, I don't know why I think it's a psychological thing, but yeah. do you ever hear that or get that feeling from, from people that they kind of feel like, I don't know, like they're losing that yeah. battle if they rely on management. Cause I definitely have had that before where I have to talk them through and they get there, but I understand that thought process initially. For sure. I think as humans, um, we all fall into the trap of wanting to fix a problem, like a problem has to be fixed. And usually that's through, you know, eliminating it completely. Mm -hmm. And with the dogs, it's through training, you want to be able to come in, kick your shoes off, not worry about where they are and be like, oh, the dogs, you know, the dog's not going to touch them. But, you know, that's life with a dog, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I, I try to talk to clients about it in the way of, okay, well, we have these like three or four training, uh, you know, we have these three cues that we're doing and we're also doing a separation work. Um, how much time have you spent on on training training with these cues and the separation, um, you know, in, in the last week? And they're like, oh, well, you know, we had a busy day on Monday and so we didn't do it that day, but we did do a little bit on Tuesday. And I'm like, okay, well, we don't want to then, you know, if you have too much, you're, you're never going to succeed at any of the goals because right. it's kind of like us, if you have too much on your plate, you, you never do a hundred percent, um, success right. successfully. Um, if you have too much on your plate. So if you can kind of see management as, oh, it's, it's a success. I, I right. have fixed it because it's not happening. So exactly. I try to sort of go at it from that point of view of like, oh, well, you know, I, How's, how's the training going? How much training are you doing? Do we also want to add in mm. toilet paper Yeah. when you don't have time for leash work? You know? Exactly. Yeah. I love that too, because, and, and I just want to say this again, like I as well talk about whenever anybody calls me in the beginning or we're looking at a dog that we want to change their behavior or eliminate something or decrease something, as I like to say, we start with decreasing first, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm like, Hey, management is first, like right away out the gate before we even not saying that very quickly, we're not going to be reinforcing alternate behaviors or trying to get the dog to do something more um, desirable for us. But I say, hey, management is a non-negotiable first because yeah. uh, as a silly example, you know, I love candy. Um, who doesn't? Uh, so I'm sure many can relate, but I really, really love certain candies, yeah. right? And if it is in my pantry, I am going to consume it. <laughs> yes. Now, a good management yeah. thing, if my goal was to decrease the amount of candy I'm going to consume would be that there is no candy in the, in the pantry for me, obviously then, even if I wanted to do it, I can't because it's not available. I don't have access to it. So in the same way with dogs, if they don't have access to something, even if they wanted to do it, they can't. And then that can start the process, right? Then I need to figure out, maybe I should have some fruit instead to replace (laughs) the candy. These are things I'm working on right now. Um, very difficult. Um, but yeah, like, so I think, you know, management's first, because if I'm trying to quit 
eating candy and it's still all over my kitchen, I'm going to have a really hard time not relapsing, if you will, on that behavior. So I think it's, I'm using a lot of hand gestures today for those no, that are not watching this video, but yeah, so I think, I think that's super important for everybody to know management's first. And then of course, training comes after right away uh, when we can. And like you said, certain things we're not going to necessarily be training either. Like I use management with my dogs with the gate. When, um, when a person has to come by and look at something for the house or we're getting our, our new back patio right. put in and the guy's coming right. in to come take a look and he has to walk through the house or something or open up the back door. I don't deal with my dogs there. I'm never going to deal with my dogs there. Yeah. I'm never training anything with my dogs there. Yeah. I don't care to do anything there. I just want to get the guy in, get the thing, sign what I got to do. All right, do the work, goodbye, and move on with my life. So I still use gates. I still use these yeah. things as everyone should at some capacity, not for everything, but definitely for a lot of day-to-day -day living. I also find that the management conversation, it, it comes up a lot with puppies. And of course it comes up a lot with adult dogs, but actually I find it comes up more when you start talking about breeds um, ah. or like breed specific things. So a lot of times you, um, you know, we live, we live in, I live in central London. So a lot of my um, clients, we live in apartments and things and they have um, dogs who are known for um, alert barking out, you know, out the window or um, mm -hmm. terriers who love to dig and we, there might be a small garden or something that they've tended to. And I think it's sometimes management comes up where it's like, okay, we can definitely do work on training uh, the terrier to not dig, um, in the garden that you've spent all these years like cultivating or whatever um so we can put, put management in place because that's such a drive for them in terms of fencing off 80 percent of the garden and right. oh look a, an, a specific area for the terrier to dig over here you know we don't have to yeah. train not to dig in the garden we just block access or and leave a little area for them to do it um yeah. so it's i often find management comes up with when you're talking about breeds as well that's really interesting that you said that because there is so much breed specific things that we mm -hmm. hear. And, and I'm not saying that breeds don't have specific tendencies. Of course, right. certain breeds are going to be lazier. Certain breeds are going to have more of a drive for digging or chasing and what have you. And that's totally normal. Sure. But at the same token, and I'm glad that you brought this up, sometimes dogs are just barking because they're dogs and sometimes dogs like sometimes right. it's not the breed and I'm like all right like I think dogs just kind of like uh. to dig most of the time most dogs even dogs that don't uh. necessarily their breed doesn't um and you know I think too uh having an outlet so the dogs that do like the, the terriers who like to dig and I think it's so important to sometimes let them do some of those behaviors. So we're going off on a slight tangent, yeah. I think it's very important. So I'm so glad you said this because I'm gonna bring up enrichment real quick and giving outlets nice. so they kind of go together. So when you're managing an issue and especially if it's breed specific in this way, or it's something that your dog as an individual just really loves to do, rather than setting up management in a way that, you know, never allows them to do it ever, mm like chasing squirrels or chasing <laughs> small animals, right? A oh lot of breeds God. and dogs in general like to chase small furry things that are running along. Sometimes it's I, a cat. I, 
<laughs> yeah. I, Griffin does this, right? Yes, um, he does. <laughs> Freddie loves to anything like moving. He, he's a chihuahua poodle Pomeranian who knows what I mean he's got 12 different he's a mutt but he's mainly chihuahua and poodle so like I don't know he just really likes to do it so with clients that have a dog like this or people I'm talking to and you probably can relate to this Jennifer so I'd love to hear your input but I'll be like hey yeah we obviously don't want the dog chasing when you're on leash trying to chase every small thing and choking themselves out in their harness and rolling around and going nuts so I'll say, hey, let's work on training for that. But on the back end, let's give them an outlet to do it where it's appropriate. So I'll implement a flirt pole as part of their enrichment nice. plan, which for those who don't know, a flirt pole is basically like one of those cat toys that the cat chases around, little pole with a dingly thing dangling at the end of it <laughs> rather, but it's for dogs. Now, some people will say, hey, I don't want them to practice chasing something around. The whole point is I don't want them to do it. And I say, well, that's wonderful. And I understand that, but the dog's going to do this. So yeah. sometimes if we have an outlet for it, it'll actually help minimize along with training the moments that we prefer them not to do it. They know they have this outlet. So last example is like, if you bring a raging, uh, energy-filled young kid to Chuck E. Cheese or one of these like adventure places where they can jump around or a trampoline park and they act, you know, very excitable and they're bouncing <laughs> off the walls. That's an outlet. That right. doesn't mean they're going to come home and bounce off the walls. I mean, sometimes right. they do, but you get what I'm saying. So, you know, I, I think it, it doesn't mean that it's going to impact the rest of their behavior. It can actually help them not be as crazy, quote unquote, when they're back home or out, out with you, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, anything to add to that, Jennifer, I was just going off on that. Cause I love that you brought that up and it just sparked that giving them an outlet despite, yes, we need to manage it in other contexts. I think just to add as well, like management is the environment, but it's also um, like time as well. So for example, what you were yes. saying about um, squirrel chasing, um, I have a very driven dog who loves squirrels. Um, my big walk with him happens between six and 7 a.m. because the squirrels, I know that the squirrels are not up yet. And I mm. am not, uh, you know, if you're doing training, you have to be, as, as we know, extremely consistent. And there are days or times of the day when, you know, it's five o'clock in the evening and you haven't walked the dog properly yet or whatever it might be. And I don't have the energy to do the training on all of the squirrels that we see, for example. So our big walk happens mostly at 6 to 7 a.m. because he doesn't get to practice the behavior of chasing squirrels because they aren't up yet. You're not and available. Too, right. So sometimes management is, you know, you have a you have a reactive dog. Um avoid the park or yes. uh you know, anything like that can or pick times of day when um you know lots here in London, there are lots of dog meetups that happen in all the local parks. And they're usually, you know, 8 a.m. We'll make okay. sure you don't go to the park at 8 a.m. or something like that. That's management too. Yeah, yeah, that, that's an excellent point because mm -hmm. sometimes it's adjusting our schedule. Sometimes yeah. it's adjusting our lifestyle. Those are all yeah. things that, you know, maybe we, I have a lot of people who would love to bring, would love to bring their reactive or scared dog to an outdoor cafe or a brewery uh, or something like that. Right. And I'm like, you know, yeah, we can train certain things. We can get the dog better, but some dogs are just not going to be doing that. Like some, yeah. at the end, some, sometimes 
then I think again, kind of going off on a tangent was so important. Sometimes it's not in the cards for that dog. And so yeah. we might need to adjust when we're like, maybe I would love to go out at 7 a.m. to the park because that works for my schedule best, but it's going to make my dog freak out every single morning and have a really crappy interaction yeah. uh, for me to start off my day. So yeah, it might be I give up my 7 a.m. morning walk and now I have to adjust my life around my family member that I've brought into the yeah. house and say, okay, this is horrible for him. And it's maybe just not in the cars or maybe not healthy for him in this way. So maybe we go at seven at night or whatever it is. So I think that's important because yes, management is in the environment. It is in, in, in when we go out, it's adjusting our lives sometimes and yeah, managing things around what our dogs need because it's up to us if we're not helping them, then who is? Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I'm glad that we touched on a couple of those things. Management's definitely first. And I wanna give some specific examples to help those listening about strategies they can use management for to help decrease slash eliminate, as I always say, decrease slash eliminate. We're going for decreasing uh, behaviors we, we don't like so much. And what I tell people is you're going for less crappy. <laughs> So that's our goal. Like it usually makes people laugh. So I think it's my little yeah. line, but it's like the barometer is like, if it's less crappy than yesterday or the yeah. week before, we're doing good. Yeah. We're doing a that's good job. Um, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> please feel free. It's, it's a good one. Um, so, so let's talk about a couple examples. So um, what's one thing that like either you hear a lot or that you're dealing with with Griffin even um, that you might you might recommend some management for like what's one topic that you hear a common common issue people have that they can use management for um for us I'm you know and I try to on my Instagram I try to be as real realistic as possible in that like yeah, my dog is not perfect and neither am I, you know, neither <laughs> like, are me, me or my um, dog. So <laughs> um, counter surfing is definitely something mm -hmm. that he does. He is a, um, let me convert it to pounds. He's a 70 pound giant, you know, Labrador. He can easily put his feet up on anything he wants in this apartment. Um, so it's about making sure that there is nothing on that side that he can get at all. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I learned the hard way you, you think your puppy can't reach and then one day they can reach and there just happened to have been a sandwich or whatever it was on the counter. And you're like, oh, crap. Oh, they, no. you know, <laughs> it was reinforced. It was reinforced, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but now my life is, you know, I make sure before I leave, especially when I leave him alone, um, I do a sweep through and there's nothing accessible to him. So if he was to put his paws up onto the kitchen counters, there's no reward available for him. And right. um, that behavior has decreased drastically over the last few months. He's a teenager, so, you know, that's Yay. always fun. But um, <laughs> he, he hasn't been rewarded for that behavior. So uh, I manage my kitchen very well. <laughs> yes, I totally understand that. I always say that if Freddie was not 10 pounds, like luckily he can't reach anywhere. Right. So, but if he was the size of Jade, he would be my worst nightmare yeah. with that because he, yeah, food at, is like the top, I'm a close second, but food beats everything out on the planet. <laughs> and he will just be rock solid focused on 
wherever food is coming from. And I see him in the kitchen and I see him going, oh, I wish I could get up there. (laughs) It just makes me laugh because I'm like, haha, I don't have to deal with this because you can't reach anywhere. So it's totally fine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know if he was big, it'd be horrifying. Um, But yeah, so that's a great example. I know a lot of people that have that issue, whether they're sitting down to eat dinner or they're, they're cooking or they leave stuff out on the counter and on that point too, you know, even, even something as silly as like you went out to your mailbox and got your mail and came in and threw the mail on top of the kitchen counter. Yeah. That's still maybe not as reinforcing as grabbing a sandwich, but if the dog jumps up and they're like sniffing all the, all the people that handled the mail and everything they can smell on that, maybe they grab it and shred it, or maybe they just pick it up. Or even if they're just smelling it, that's still kind of like, Hey, something was up here that I got to investigate. So even something that's not food, related that you think your dog's not going to give a crap about they might they might get reinforced so be careful about that too um another one i see a lot that i think this is a really one of my favorite management things to let people know that most people don't think about is you mentioned this earlier especially where you live like barking out of windows right alert barking at things or some dogs are actually reactive to seeing people or dogs outside so they're just doing the same behavior they do outside on leash, but they're doing it inside behind the window. Um, And I always say, hey, put up a privacy film. Yeah. So you could go to your hardware store or wherever that might, or you can order online. They have plenty online and you just paste it up. You can remove it later, put it on, cling it on the window. And now this doesn't mean your dog might not hear somebody and still bark. And it's more of a, of an audible thing, but at least they can't visually see. Yeah. So whether that's closing a blind or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, doing, I, I half close my blinds. So I like fan the bottoms and yeah. the tops are open. So I'm not living yeah. like a vampire, <laughs> right. but, uh, but yeah, like there's definitely an area where my dogs can see out and Jade likes to sit on the couch and stare out the window and she will bark if the male person comes, if whatever, mm-hmm. and it gets reinforced. Cause then they leave right? Yep. And so this is a big one for a lot of people. So putting up privacy film or closing your blinds or, or, or um, curtains or whatever. Um, the, but the privacy film is great. If you feel like your dog's going to break yep. your blinds or, move, yes. or just like move, yeah. nudge the curtain out of the way and then they're barking yeah. again. So that's a big, big, big one. Um, any other ones that, that we want to touch on like jumping or dashing out the door, stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, dashing out the door, it's, um, you know, either some form of baby gate, perhaps, or, you know, a lot of get a lot of people, especially when you're just trying to decrease the behavior initially is if you know, someone is coming, like a friend's coming Mm -hmm. over or whatever, it's like, hey, can you text me when you're just at the end of the hall or whatever, and I can make sure that my dog is um, distracted or put away, you know, whatever that might mean in your family. But um, that's a big one. Um, Griffin knows how to open my closet. Um, with his nose so I now have to you know part of our management is when I'm not here is I keep my bedroom door closed he used to have access to that but you know sometimes it's as easy as closing a door (laughs) that is so true it's like just close the door you know close the door to deal with it and yeah I think with uh, on on the point of like letting people know to text you and such yeah that's a big one for me I haven't had someone excuse me I haven't had someone knock on my door in I don't know how long yeah right because I require everybody (laughs) 
to make sure that when they pull in or whatever, they text me so I can, and here's my line. Cause sometimes people don't know like how to say it and they feel weird. And I'm like, Hey, just text me when you get here so that we don't have to get the dogs involved. And they just yeah. usually chuckle at that. And then they know, um, also on online, I purchased, it was like $6, you know, those like knob things you get at hotels that are like do not disturb on the knob of the yeah house. yeah okay so I bought one that's for you can have it outside it's it's durable plastic but it's a it's a in big letters it says something like um uh don't do not ring uh protective dogs do not yeah. ring bell or knock leave package on porch right so right. that way when the mail delivery people come they, they see it and they don't, because that's a hard knock 50 yeah. times a day is Lord knows I'm ordering yeah. too much crap online. And, Thanks. um, and then my dogs are freaking out 15 times a day, five days yeah. a week. I mean, you know, or whatever, three times, that's a lot of barking unnecessarily and getting everybody's yeah. levels up for nothing. Um, yeah. so, you know, even just putting a sign on your door for guests for when you have family over the rules mm -hmm. that you have to abide by when they come in, if you're training your dog, that's part of management as well as communicating to family, yeah. friends, strangers that might be approaching your home or coming into your home, what the deal is so that yeah. you can set your dog up for success. So yeah, that's a big one. That sign is Chef's a good kiss idea. for me. That's I love it. Uh, everyone loves it when they see it. So highly recommend search out like signs like that, or you can make your own. Um, and uh, do you get like uh, dogs that steal a lot, like the trash, laundry, stealing socks? <laughs> so, like what, yeah. what is your advice for management for, for those types of dogs that really like to get all the, what I call contraband items. They like to grab right. things. What would you say for that, Jennifer? Um, a lot of it is, can you change the trash can? Like some of them, it's just a really easy plastic, push it over yeah. and done. You know, can you change it to something that's really pretty sturdy or very hard to open for the dog? Or mm -hmm. can it can it sit in a, uh, you know, like a smaller one under the sink? Yeah, of course you have to then take it out more often. But again, you're, you're changing your lifestyle a little bit to accommodate, mm -hmm. you know, accommodate the dog. Um, so true. So, yeah something That's something like one. that it, yeah it, same with the laundry it, yeah exactly the same with the laundry just making sure it's either the door's closed or mm -hmm. the laundry basket is not uh one that they can like is easily, over yeah <laughs> right right like so, mine is luckily mine don't do that but yeah this, that's mine a big does one. do that he's obsessed he loves socks however <laughs> i i'm actually okay with it he's a retriever i use that for training a retrieve because he yeah. loves socks and so they, my management doesn't involve my laundry basket because he knows it as a training tool. I but, love it. You know, so he's, he's offering a behavior, so I reinforced it. And I'm like, right. okay, well, that, that's our life. So. Yeah. If you're like, he's not swallowing it. You know, I have dogs no, that want to like eat, no, eat everyone's sure. underwear and stuff, the old underwear eaters and, and right. sock eaters. Yeah. Then you want to. But yeah, like Freddie's grabbed my socks off the floor before and just carried them around. Yeah. That's and I don't I'm care. I'm like, oh, that's fun. Good for you, I buddy. Just want, like, dogs, if I have like a dog sitter or something looking after him for the day or whatever it is, I'm like, I just be aware. Like, and I'm really sorry if he brings you a sock. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like don't don't worry. It's normal. Right. We're working on He's that. Fine. Th that He'll just rough it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute. I love that. And I think too, <clears throat> talking about like just kind of switching gears to kids. 
because mm-hmm. I, you know, I know we handle a lot of families and young children around. Sometimes it's young children and young puppies. Yay. So fun oh, to manage gosh. that. And I'm like, listen, again, like you alluded to before and, and made note of like the gates, the crates, the leashes, yeah. using yeah. tools like this is so important. And if you're, if your dog or your puppy you know, I'll hear my dog jumps up on my toddler and scares my toddler and understandable. Like that's, that's concerning. Your kid's going to get scared. Your dog might get more hyper stimulated by, you know, the kids crying or yelling or playing or just giggling. I've had dogs react to just laughter and stuff like that and get really hyper and start to like act, act a little bit off than what they normally do. And in that moment, you know, yes, we're going to start training, you know, being on your bed or calming down and all that stuff. But in the meantime, right away, if you're not training, you should be managing. And if you're not managing, you should be training. And that goes for everything we're talking about today. If you're not in management mode, you should be purposely training. You should have food. You should have a toy. You should be working with your dog. And if you're not working with your dog, you're back in the management bucket. But if you're not in either, and if you're (laughs) in the cross my fingers, hope it works out, you're going to be a little bit probably disappointed that it's not going to work out. So with kids, just put your dog behind a gate, play with your, play with your child, let your children have a good time, bring the dog in when you're able to deal with them and have active supervision. That way you're not having them rehearse going nuts with your kids or vice versa. The kids bothering the dog too much can happen as much as you want to train. Yeah. As much as you want to train the dog, you have to train your kids too, (laughs) as they age on how to interact. So yeah, I want to touch on that. And uh, you know, I think another important thing is fallouts from management, lack of management rather. So, you know, if we have an issue or actually you said this before, you know, even proactively not setting up management. So Mm. I'm going to go off again, but that's okay. Uh, Jade, when she was a puppy, I always removed, I never had shoes out. So back to your thing about the shoes, like I never had shoes out for her for months. My shoes were never uh, other than on my feet we're yeah. not out. And she just grew up not ever getting the taste <laughs> yeah. of having shoes in her mouth. So when she was a little older and I, you know, was training with her and she was being a good girl, I started to slowly leave like one pair out. And then I had yeah. my shoe rack available on the floor and things like that. And she never, ever, ever has picked up a shoe in her whole yeah. life. And that's yeah. because I didn't give her an opportunity to from the very yeah. beginning, rather than waiting for her to do it and then going, oh, I got to manage it. So if you know ahead of time that it might be a problem, yeah. these things we know with puppies. So what, what would you say are some fallouts of not implementing proper management? And especially like for more serious issues, let's say anxiety or aggression issues or dogs that have some type of emotional, negative emotional reaction to things well, how does management play a role there um, in your view? I think it's probably the most important thing you have because a lot of these problems are long-term, you know, that the training involved or behavior modification involved in, you know, severe, or not even just severe, just separation anxiety in general, that can be months and months. Same with aggression, be that towards humans or dogs. You know, this is, these are long-term training modification plans you know it's not a it's not a quick fix at all and I think a lot of these things it's not just implementing um one form of management it's often implementing multiple forms of management at the same time like um 
I mean, I know you had uh, Michael Shikashio on and, you know, yeah. the, especially with aggression, it's like you need at least two uh, management tools, like uh, a muzzle and a gate or a, yes. a tether and a, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I think that's the same for a lot of, a lot of uh, things like separation anxiety. Well, you'll be using a lot of dog sitters. You'll be changing your life quite drastically if you can't leave your dog alone and you're going through a, a, a training program in order to get your dog, you know, comfortable with being alone. It's... Mm-hmm it can be quite overwhelming, I think, for people, because you're not only talking about, oh, this training plan will take a very long time and requires a lot of consistency from you. And also your life will change, like will need to change because of the management involved. So right, it's hard. It's very hard. Um, yeah. Those big, those bigger ones, like what you were saying, yeah. separation issues and, and, and aggression, it definitely takes more of a commitment than the dog that's stealing your socks or you know <laughs> jumping up on the counter. It's it's a more severe issue. It's more delicate, yeah. and you know. And when Michael was on too, he did he did mention this, which I thought was important because as trainers, we're viewing it as such a it is laborious at some level, right? We try to break mm-hmm. it down into small pieces, and and it is sometimes a long road for people in terms of like this is off the table for this dog or this needs yeah, to change yeah. forever and things like, and that's true. There's, that is reality. Um, and then he had mentioned like even just small changes, uh, you know, it, it can be simple. It can be viewed as simpler for people to say, okay, I just have to do these three things mainly and my dog will start to improve. Um, right. So I, I try to, I'm very honest like that too. And I'm like, this takes a lot of work. It's a lot of commitment sometimes. Yeah. It's it's a it's like having a family member that needs special care for something or has social sure. anxiety or has, you know, I have anxiety issues, you know, it's like I have to change certain things in my lifestyle to to help that. Yeah. And that's just what it is sometimes. But at the same time to also you know, also check myself with that because I tended to do that is, yeah, but at the same time, like muzzling your dog keeps everyone safe. And now you you never have a bite, you know, you never have a bite. You woohoo. Great. Like some (laughs) of it can be easy in, in theory with that. And just kind of looking at it through that lens, I think is important for clients approaching it to say, okay, it's these three main buckets. We're looking at this and my dog's going to if I do this, going to live a happy, healthy life with me. And, and we, we have to make these adjustments in order to do that. Um, but I like that you said the muzzle because that's such a big management thing mm. for me, uh, dealing with aggression cases and behavioral cases for a lot of my career mainly, although I've had puppies and all that stuff, but I, I went into deep behavioral work for several years up until recently um, when it was always my favorite. I love dealing with uh, anxious dogs. Maybe it's because of my own issues, uh, but <laughs> right. I'm like, I relate to you, buddy. Yeah, yeah um, I get it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I, I muzzles are always the, again, like the first, mm-hmm. if a dog's even a chance of biting or has snapped or does try to bite the vet or anything like that, I immediately say, okay, let's it's management and training as most dogs don't yeah. like to wear it. But, uh, but I'm like, yeah, let's, let's start immediately with muzzle training because safety first. So things with anxiety or aggression or both, you know, you, you want to first think of safety, like those two things is safety. So if you're dealing with dog on dog aggression, you need a muzzle and the gate. And you need, if you're, um, 
you know, you're dealing with a leash reactive dog, you might need two leashes to make sure like you have one buckled on your waist and one in your hands. And it also might be in my view, like distance as your other management, so yeah. like making sure you're never too close. Um, so I think some of the, the fallouts of not doing these things are obviously like, let's say someone, I recommend a muzzle and let's say that person really doesn't like it, doesn't want their dog on it. And they continue to try to do the training, but they bring the dog to the vet. The dog hates the vet, wants to bite everybody there when they try yeah. to do the, the <clears throat> shots, which a lot of people face. Right. And um, let's say they just don't really get to the muzzle work. Yeah. That dog could potentially break skin on somebody. Yeah. It's a fallout now that we didn't, yeah. we didn't quite get that management all the way in play. And now we have a bite on our hands. Now, yeah. we, now we have a real bite, not just a snap. Now we, yeah. now we got the vet and the vet's bleeding or the vet tag or your, or yeah. your dog sitter, you know? So yeah. I think, I think it's really delicate. And I think management in those, especially in those crucial to safety. I will say, um, I don't know if you have this in the States. I, I bet there's something very similar. Uh, it's something that I find that helps a lot, a lot of people here um, in terms of management. Mm -hmm. It seems nicer than, or not nicer, but you know, a lot of people, like you said, don't want to put a muzzle on their dog or, acceptable. or whatever. Um, there's something here called the Yellow Dog Project where you can get um, lots of different types of bandanas or um, harness covers that are yellow and they, you know, say nervous or keep space or something like that. And I think that that's something that's just really easy. It's management. Again, it's just adding a tool in for you that, you know, if you have the muzzle or you have the double leash or you're trying to keep distance, but also as a visual marker for other people, it can make you feel better or even mm. just be like, well, if you do approach my dog and you can see this this uh, vest that says nervous and you still continue to approach my dog of course the fallout you know there's yeah. potential for a fallout but it does give people pause and and it's another layer of distance because here in in England anyway you know a lot of people know that that yellow uh, wow. they see yellow on a dog and and a lot of people know that's like oh I need to like make sure I don't come up and say hi or right. whatever like it is space. Yeah, so it's like a, just a visual management tool that you can use. So I don't know if there's anything, there must be something very similar in the States, but. I have heard of the Yellow Dog Project. I will say right. living in the States, I don't know if it's, uh, if people would know sure. outside of like do, do really deep in dog lovers or dog trainers. Right. So I'm kind of jealous that people are aware of it where you live, because that would be much, I think that would be really great if that took off at that level where most people understood that here mm. I don't believe I could be wrong someone let me know if I am but in my experience living on the east coast I don't know and many people who would they would just think it's a cute yellow bandana probably um, I mean that does that's still but, true here but I think it's it's getting a little more um, yeah yeah I, but I, I do like that you said because that's so such a great management tool and I forgot about these uh, but yeah, I've recommended having people like do not pet or we're in training right. or I need space, whether it's yeah. a patch for the leash or for the harness or a bandana or it's written on your leash or whatever. There's tons of things you can get for the collar, the harness, the leash. You could wear a shirt that says yeah. me and my dog are training. Please give us space, you know, go on Etsy and, and have someone make you something yeah. fun <laughs> yeah. if you want to. But I yeah. love that because, you know, even, even myself with Jade, she loves, uh, she loves people, but she doesn't, I can tell she doesn't love the, ah, 
like from strangers coming up. Now she won't do anything. No one would think anything, but she'll avoid. She'll like turn yeah. away and she's like, oh God, get me the hell out of here. I don't yeah. like all this. Um, where Freddie loves it, but uh, Jade does not. And so rather than appease a stranger, I yeah. could be, uh, you know, at the cost of my dog's well-being, as I, as I always say, I put a bandana on her that says, uh, we're working, you know, I need space. Right, great. Uh, awesome. No one knows what that means and that's fine. It's vague. Doesn't matter. It's just like, yeah. leave me alone. Uh, yeah. And that way yeah. people can like us from afar. Yeah. So yeah, I love, love, love that. I'm so glad that you brought that up because those are easy things people can can immediately do to help, yeah. help give their dogs some space. So in terms of, I always like asking a misconception or a mistake, a common mistake or a common thing that people think that just isn't true or that you wish they might think of differently. When it comes to implementing management, do you, what can you share in terms of like, is there a misconception about it that you think people could reframe how they're thinking of or a mistake, a common mistake people make with management? Um, that's such a good question. I have a few a few thoughts on it. It's either like we sort of discussed before about people not people are wanting to fix a problem as opposed to manage the problem. That's always yeah. sort of what we see. I, I know that we sort of touched on that. I think oftentimes management or especially when you're talking about management in the home, people either think or the route they go down is um, for absolutely everything, the dogs in the crate, in the crate, in the crate, in the crate, yeah. or, you know, it, it becomes a bit too confining in my opinion. Whereas I, th I think people, or I try to let people know, it's like, it's, it's not managing your dog, it's managing the environment. So of course use crates and, and pens and baby gates, but there are plenty of other management tools that you can use for lots of different scenarios. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a crate for every single management opportunity. Um, and I think that by doing that is especially uh, sometimes for, for puppies or if they're not used to crates, that just adds to the frustration and to the, pro or it creates a new problem. So I think it's sometimes uh, trying to find that balance between we love a crate. It's it's great to use if they're comfortable. That's fantastic. However, think of the environment, um, not not what you can do to your dog. It's what can you do that to the environment. Um, I don't have a crate anymore for my dog. Um, that's just not something that we carried on. But mm -hmm. that does mean that everything is you know, my life went from this level to everything is on this level. Yeah. He's ten months old. That will change as he gets older. That's fine. But of that was my choice to sort of rely on not the crate option, but, or the pen option, a different option. So that's sort of my thought on it a little bit. Yeah. I, I like that because, you know, I know we touch on a couple, a couple of things that I think are, are mis quote unquote mistakes or, or misconceptions about it. And that's a good point because sometimes it is, you make choices and then you, you know, it doesn't have to be one size fits all for every dog. And I yeah. think that's what you're getting at too. Like, yeah, it's not just this is going to solve everything now. This is just a means to an end, hopefully, um, for a lot of these things. Like you said, he's out good. He's going to outgrow a lot of this and be trained on other things. And we're all we're going to get there, especially with puppies. It's like, just yeah. hang on until the yeah. dog gets a little <laughs> bit older, you know, um, but if it's an adult dog, like with Freddie, who who had every problem under the sun when we got him. And I don't say that to sound, you know, 
cool about it. Like, oh, he had every, like he literally had almost every problem that I help clients with that's listed on my website. At one point he had all of it. And it was, uh, you know, other than being cute, that was pretty much all he had going for him when we got him. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's obviously come a really long way, but a lot of it has yeah, I used a lot of management in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then we, we, then we started to, you know, ease right. up as behavior changed. He gained more access. He gained more things that he could do and have access to. And I think to, to go off of that too, a big misconception, and we touch on this, but I think we should sum it up again because it, it is important. Management goes with training yeah. um, usually all the time. And there are certain things like again, like the toilet paper thing, uh, you know, if you don't feel like dealing with it, just don't deal with it. There isn't much training to do there necessarily. Um, or my dogs, like I have two dogs and they will try to both share things and I don't want them to, and I just don't want them to. So I just put a gate up and they both, excuse me, chew on their stuff. Great. And then the gate goes down when they're done. And that's something that I always do. I'm, and, and sometimes I have them out and I'm watching them. And they'll be on their own beds. But if I'm going to go up and take a shower, the gate's up because I don't want to deal or hear or wonder or worry about what they're doing or who's messing with who, who yeah. stole the yeah. bone yeah. out of their mouth. Because Freddie would just go right up to Jade, my 65 pound pit bull. Yeah. And literally I've seen him and when we first got him, take a bully stick right out of her mouth and walk brave, off with brave it. Boy. I'm like, <laughs> what a champion. Um, <laughs> the littlest dog has the biggest goal in all the world. So it. Yeah. Like, so the gate's up, right. And that's something that is always going to be up. If I'm going to leave the area completely and my dogs have two high value items, that's just always going to be a thing. So I think it's, it's okay to just use management forever for certain things yeah. and other things like you were saying before. Yeah. We should also be training. It's not just the management and there's no one size fits all. You know, if you're wondering what to do, hire a professional trainer that has experience in this and that can help walk you through a game plan with it to ensure that, you know, you're doing everything proper. It's always nice to ask a professional if you're not sure. For sure. I I do just want to say as well, I, um, there are quite a few products that sell themselves as management tools for a lot Mm -hmm. of behaviors, for example, um, the invisible fence or, yes. um, you know, I, I think that it's just important. I guess that's the sort of a misconception or a mistake that I see is that, you know, people are, it can be really well-meaning with it, of course, but, sure. you know, they buy an invisible fence and I'm like, can you, let's just put a fence, like a real fence up because now yeah, we're physical. talking about, um, you know, we're, we're on a different subject with that sort of stuff, but just in terms of, I think some some products you can get are, are made for management. Even some types of um, you know, collars and and uh, things you can get are like, oh, this manages pulling, right? Or this is going to solve, like, oh, right. stop barking today, by right? Buying. Oh, this is great. Let's take a minute. Okay, I, I love this. Sure yes. No, let's keep going. We're adding on an extra topic here because it is, yes, you're so right. P, the, the, these things are marketed as I've seen things on, on the, uh, the box or on the product yeah. label. And it says, stop barking, pulling, jumping. I'm like, wow, Whatever dog trainers should just quit today. Cause 
this product's gonna solve every problem in in the world with dogs. No more anything. And at the end yeah. of the day, people should know that that is, in my opinion, false advertising and dangerous. Oh, yeah. uh, with these things, have have risks and negative um, impacts on your dog's behavior. And that is not listed on these packages. Like, and I'd also say it's not the definite for me. Management is is just preventing them uh, from practicing a behavior you don't want. You're right. with those sort of products. You're not. You're preventing them from practicing that behavior, but you can guarantee you are building a different type of behavior, whether that's mm -hmm. anxiety, fearfulness, aggression. Uh, you yeah. know, it's whereas management, if management is how it's supposed to be, you're not adding in anything, you know, nothing mm -hmm. is happening to the dog or they're not feeling any differently or right. anything like that. There's no emotional change or it's, right. it's literally like, oh, well, I put my feet on the counter and there's nothing there, damn it. Okay. Yeah. You know, not Move like- on, right? right? It's not implementing right. something negative now to stop yeah. it. It's more yeah. of a neutral guide yeah. to help. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Cause I'm so glad you brought that up though. And I know I keep saying that, but that means a lot because a lot, I think a lot of people fall into that by accident yeah. because th these things are labeled to help them get there. Yeah. And it, yeah. you can get there in the short term, but again, it comes usually at a, at a cost, sometimes a big cost at a big yeah. price. And I've had way too many dogs that now, you know, I've, I've had those collars to like stop barking, you know, like I was talking yeah. about the window film, you know, let's say your dog barks. Yeah. Some people don't think of that, but they'll see an ad online about a, a barking collar. And now the, it, some, whenever I'll say this, if a product, <laughs> if you're getting a product that's, that's claiming to stop something, stop yeah. right? Your, your spidey, I'm wearing my Marvel shirt, your spidey senses it. should go up. And I want you to ask yourself, why does this work? Quote unquote, why is it, what's happening that's going to cause the dog to stop barking? Well, little, you know, a dance and song and a nice parade of treats yeah. and all, all this great stuff doesn't come out to help your dog feel better. Something that's happening, whether it's a spray up the nose that makes them yeah, uncomfortable or, or shocking them or make it something has to make them feel uncomfortable to get yeah. them to stop. And yeah. you have to ask yourself if you're okay with that. And then ask yourself, are you okay with how other, like you were saying, how else that's going to impact the dog? Yeah. Because now we have other emotions and other associations uh, that, you know, Pavlov's always there um, and Skinner's always there too, but you know, they're, they're, they're sitting on your shoulder as they say, yes. and, and something yeah. else can happen now. And, uh, and I always say honey is better than vinegar. So we want to try to have um, a delicate approach to these dogs are not trying to piss you off guys. They're not trying I'm... to make you upset. I know it can feel like that sometimes, but <laughs> dogs are doing the best they can with the resources and information and feedback they're getting from us and the environment. Yeah. So management or training, but we need to be in both buckets at certain times uh, or yeah. one or the other. And I'm so glad we could talk more about management, one of my favorite topics. Um, so yeah, and, and Jennifer, we're, tell everybody a little bit about your business and where they can find you online and how they can look you up. Sure. Yes. Um, I have Instagram, of course, at Bone Ball Bark. Um, I set it up whereas 
um, bone stands for health and nutrition. Then we have ball that's play and socialization and bark, which is training and problem solving. So the idea is that you try to look at your dog as a, as a whole being, not just trying to focus in on that one problem. It's looking at the dog as a whole. Um, I have a, uh, uh, online self-paced uh, puppy course called the Sign Signature Puppy Course, where I recorded me um, raising Griffin from eight weeks to five months old and wow. everything we were doing from potty training to socializing on public transport to, you know, 10 different cues and leash walking. Um, and all of that comes with uh, sort of booklets and handouts that you can use just so you can see what a trainer raising a puppy is like. Um, and I promise it's not all perfection either. Like I, I wanted to put in where it's like, oh, this is going wrong. The reality <laughs> of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's uh, that's on my website, uh, boneballbark.com. Um, but yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's I love <laughs> that. And I love it. Like you got, a, what a great opportunity to capture all that yeah. reality uh, behind, okay, this was the process of how we got to where we're at with it. So, and you can see crazy. the real life decline of a human with a puppy as well. Because <laughs> I, you know, I start off and I yeah. like, oh, happy and then it, I get more tired. At the end of the, the day, time. you're like <laughs> disheveled, yeah. like, oh, I made it another day. Yeah. Having sure. puppies is wonderful, but it is also- It's a it, lot of work. It's work, yeah, it's a lot of work. Lot That's of why work. when we got Freddie, I was like, when I, when I was, uh, when we were deciding what we were going to do, I was yeah. like, not a puppy this time, not this time. Yeah. I think maybe next time. Yeah. Uh, but this time I was like two or older, preferably yeah. three or older was my, I was <laughs> right. like, then we're, I'm good there. I wasn't yeah. ready yet, but I think the next one uh, might be a puppy. So fingers crossed for me, everybody. Um, but yeah, thank you <laughs> so, so much, Jennifer. Loved having your input Plus. on this and thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Erica. That was really good fun. I really enjoyed that. Me too. And okay. as always, for those listening, treat yourself and treat your dogs. If you'd like to support this podcast or our other online educational content, please check out our Patreon support page at patreon.com slash from dusk till dog. And as they say, that's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you found some value in it. And if you did, please consider giving us some positive reinforcement and leave us a review. If you'd like to connect with me online, go ahead and give me a follow at From Dusk Till Dog on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, or Facebook, or you can visit our website at FromDuskTillDog.com. And until next time, take care and talk soon.